Good evening, everybody. Um, hope you're all doing well out there. I know it's been a while since we've done an episode, but I'm afraid for this one, I'm going to have to hand over the reins to my co-host, Domingos. Unfortunately, I'm not very well at the moment due to suffering with a bad case of vertigo. So, Domingos, the floor is all yours. Thank you, James. I'm more than happy to take the heavier of the range today. Um, so yeah, my name is Domingos and I'm welcome to the James Starback podcast and today we're going to go in-depth back look at the Batman, the latest iteration of the Great Crusader, aka the Dark Knight, aka the world's greatest detective. And the last monocle I said, the world's greatest detective, is very apparent because this is what they really concentrate on this iteration of Batman. Um, I'll go into the short synopsis as an IMDb. When a sadistic serial killer begins murdering key politician figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. Directed by Matt Reeves, based on you know uh, the uh, stories created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane, um, it stars Robert Pattinson as Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Selina Cole. Uh, Jeffrey Wyatt as pre-Commissioner Gordon and obviously Colin Farrell makes an appearance as the Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot and we also have Paul Dano excellent character actor as the Riddler Uh, now obviously this is takes, this is based on a bit of the Batman Year One comic books of the uh, where it explores the first couple of years of Bruce Wayne being his first iteration of Batman. And obviously, basically, we catch up a year. He's a, over a year into it. And he's just at the beginning. And obviously, he's not going to be perfect. He makes mistakes. But we also we see him, obviously, sort of evolving and taking on the mannerism that's going to make him become the, the iconic superhero of Gotham and the world that he will eventually become. But this is more... It takes him into his mind of how he, you see he's, he's, uh, how he's methodical he is, how he breaks things down, how he is, why he's called the, dubbed the world's greatest detective, his intellect, his patience, and it's, it's, and it's fascinating how we break that down. Um, and obviously, by his side, uh, he also has, obviously, of course, Alfred, uh, which is played by the great Andy Serkis. Um, so, James, I was going to ask you, so how do you find this iteration of the Batman? It's nice, the fact that after, you know, over 80 years of this character, 30, well, just over 30 years since we first saw him in a serious capacity on the big screen, it's, bear with me, I'm sorry about this. Um, yes, okay. It's nice to see such a fresh take on the character. I mean, I think that's the key thing about Batman, is that as long as you keep the core elements of the character, you can change and update things in an interesting way. I mean, I still remember um, back when it was first announced that Robert Pattinson was cast, I think it was me and you who were like two of the only people who were going perfect casting. I'm fully behind this. Whereas everyone else was like, oh my gosh, it's 
it's the guy from Twilight. This isn't going to work. And I just remember thinking, you know, give him a chance. At the end of the day, if he's good enough to work with Christopher Nolan, he's good enough to be Batman. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with Robert uh, Pattinson is that he's... Um... I think he's a very good character actor and he really did delve into projects like The Lighthouse and, you know, obviously, you know, uh, working with and other pro- uh, and films he's done. Obviously, he started, people forget, he started in Harry Potter uh, before The Twilight. So he's been in the industry for a long time, a good well, couple of decades now. Um, but I think if you watch after you've seen The Batman, you'll understand why he suited iteration because it's like a younger one and he's got a lot of a sort of I call it intelligent intensity for the character because mm. like you said this is the first time we re- I believe we are in live action we're exploring we're really delving into the world to get you to take we've gotten little snippets of him in different iterations obviously from whether it be uh you know Michael Keaton or or, or or when Val Kimmer took over, or Christian Bell, or Ben Affleck. We've got an iteration, but we've never really gone into that part of it, or how he's detective skills. And it was almost like a, it's almost like a thriller. Obviously, still a spectacle, but it's almost like a thriller, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. like a kind of like how you say, like, you know, like Seven, or The Usual Suspects, that kind of, you know. Yeah. And uh, with, with Colin Farrell, I... I definitely got kind of like Godfather vibes from mm. his version of the Penguin. Yeah, and and if, if and if I read it because obviously whatever people will think of, you know, Batman Forever now Jim Carrey playing the Riddler is iconic. Like his his take on it is kind of an iconic. He's an iconic actor, and obviously Catwoman. Obviously, do you, do you know one of the most famous one? Obviously, in my opinion, the best one, Michelle Pfeiffer, and then obviously Colin Farrell. T- I mean, you, you have to pick up a- Burgess, not only Burgess Meredith, the iconic actor from the sixties, and then you've got Danny DeVito from Batman Returns. I'm like, wow, talk about having a having a heavy load. But he'd done his own version. He was really he was actually surprised me. I know. Look, Colin's a great actor. He's always mm-hmm. been a great actor, but I was I was like, oh, it's going to be a hard one. And he pulled it off, and he wrote a version. Now, I understand if you after watching it, I understand why they're giving him his own show. Mm-hmm. The way he played it with a certain nuance that he's a bad guy, but there's more layers to the character, you know. Um, and I, I just thought that was really fascinating, and um, and and and. It sort of. I, I remember when we, we talked about this. I actually said I got this feeling when the promotion was coming. I got this feeling that this is going to be the equivalent of what the Joker did for the Joker. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing, and I think it's going to get awards. Uh, this is going to uh, eventually it's going to get a lot of awards. In what I'm not sure, but it'll definitely get awards because of how the in depth it is. It's dark, and as well the music, Michael Giacchino, the most iconic. Batman music since Danny Elfman. Mm. And don't get me wrong, Hans Zimmer, great. No disrespect to him. He's a phenomenal composer. But what Michael Giacchino did, he 
like when I hear that music, it is Batman. Is that, mm-hmm. I feel that I never thought there'd be another iconic um, theme for Batman after what Danny Elfman did, and he and Michael Giacchino almost did the impossible. And I think that's it. Uh, yeah, that's super important. I won't be surprised if he got nominated for an Oscar for best music or something, mm-hmm. or BAFTA. Um, that's in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm hoping so because this movie took a it took risks in in every capacity. I mean, I still remember when I when I first went to see it. I remember thinking to myself. You know, Matt Reeves knows how to do an origin story without it being an origin story. Mm. And, you know, within the first hour or so of this film, or first half hour, I felt like I knew who the characters were, I knew where the premise was going, and the fact that Batman doesn't even call himself Batman at first, I found was a very interesting angle because it's like he's still like he's only in his second year. He's still trying to figure things out and you know just try and work like work out how he's gonna be able to really carry this and be the hero that Gotham needs. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand what you're saying, and and as well, I've got to talk about Zoe Kravitz. She did something I haven't seen since Michelle Father. She was able to embody the felineness of um, Selena Kyle, cat-like qualities, the way she mm-hmm. moves, the way she acts. Obviously, they've got different kind of origin story, but she captured a spirit in her own way, and. Without a doubt, she definitely the, the second, might be the second greatest iteration of Catwoman after Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest compliment I could give her. Like when I was, I was like, "Wow, damn!" Woof. Yeah, as soon as she came on screen to me, she was the Catwoman. Yeah, like, like it's, yeah, awesome. And you know, uh, and I like that obviously picking her. You know, uh, like actress obviously sort of. Calling back on sort of the past of bat or cat women like you know Halle Berry and Eartha Kitt, so I like that sort of nod as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good thing about Catwoman. There's been different iterations of her, but I, I really liked what she brought to it um, because there's a lot in the comics and stuff. There's a lot in the background of Catwoman, mm-hmm. isn't it? How she trained and stuff, uh, how she became who she is. Um, um, mm. Yeah, and in my opinion, like, just everything about this film, and this is the first time I've been able to say this about a Batman film, every element of it felt comic book accurate. Mm. Like, I, I, mm. Yeah, again, apologies for lacking in energy right now, but... No, it's fine. To me, and I apologise to the listeners out there as well. Um, but no, for me, I just, you know, I feel like this was a really great story to tell. I mean, I know a lot of people have said, why reboot the Batman now? But 
the thing is, it's it's like I've heard so many people say, this is one of those characters you can tell in any format, and it's going to work. Yeah, and and I think for DC, it actually makes sense mm-hmm. because where they're going, they start to explore other characters now. They're going to start getting away from the big three, which is inevitable. They want to start really going. Obviously, we start with Peacemaker, Blue Beetle, Batgirl. You know, it's it's. I've noticed it's coming back in house. Black mm. Adam. You got. They've got so. They've got so many. Got thousands of characters. They haven't yeah. even scratched the surface. You got Michael B. Jordan, the Val Zod iteration. There's there's so much because of the multiverse. DC's always been a multiverse thing. So you can tell you got the Elseworlds. You got the Black. They, you got. You can do this. This is DC's remit. They are the they, they are the they are the innovators of the multiverse thing. They always you can have one story here, one story there. Like it doesn't matter, you know. With the multiverse, everything is kind of interconnected anyway. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's good as well because now because now they've got a Batman. It's right. That's going to be the main. Obviously, you have got the Michael Keaton, but that's kind of something else. That's sort of like a, the legendary version of Batman. And this is like mm-hmm. one part, but now it, it allows DC to sort of concentrate on other aspects. Like they, what I liked about it, that they went into the Arkham mythology, mm-hmm. and and it's fascinating because uh, are we are we getting spoilers on this? Yeah, we are. Yeah. So now, obviously, spoiler alerts for those that haven't seen it to be living under a rock. So the Arkham Asylum. <laughs> so there's a connection to Martha. Martha's maiden name is Martha Arkham, right? Mm-hmm. From the Arkham family. Now, that's great because now. Because now when I find out that that's part of the story that they're doing, it kind of made sense for me in a sense because if you look at... Um, so I'm going to go a bit comic book now. So if you look at the Flashpoint and that story of Thomas Wayne becoming Batman and Martha going crazy and becoming a mm-hmm. Joker, now you think, like, what, what, what could have caused it? Now with this stuff with the Arkham, it kind of shows that there's sort of mental health issues with Martha and the family and so the, the, the thing that happened with her sort of snapping, with Bruce dying in that alternate universe, kind of makes sense. If, do, you, do you understand what I'm sort of, the path I'm trying to convey? Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I was like, oh, okay. And, and, it's, and with the mental health, and, it's, and it shows, and what I liked about it, it shows that, you know, Dwayne wasn't perfect. He did some mistakes. He wasn't the perfect one. Like, for you to become that powerful thing, you're not going to be, everything's going to be black and white. You're going to be a lot of shades no. of grey. Like, it's like the same thing with the Joker, isn't it? Because before the Joker and even the Batman, Bruce, Thomas Wayne and even Marvel, they always present as being perfect. Nothing wrong, mm-hmm. isn't it? But now, no, in, those, no. in the Joker and this, they've showed the flaws in both their characters. Mm-hmm. You know, and which I, I thought was fascinating. Agree. And which is obviously shown in the long Halloween which this is kind of based on, which has got it as well. Um, yes. Yes, that, that was one of the first things I noticed about the film, was the it was kind of like year one meets the long Halloween. And to me, those are two of the most iconic Batman stories. Yeah. And again, it's... I'm just really glad that, you know, the store, like, the highest compliment I can probably pay this film is 
it, apart from Batman 89, which will always be the most iconic live-action film to make, yeah. in terms of story, this was probably the best Batman film since the 1989 film. Well, that's high praise. Mm. Like, yeah. I mean, what what were your overall thoughts on the film? Yeah, no, I thought it was like better than or thought it was deeper than I thought it would go, um, and it and it really went like the joke did. It went into the social economic reflection of current society. Mm-hmm. What's going on? What they all comment on in the Batman is basically what's going on here. Obviously, that's just a fantasy Gotham, but it's you know, mm-hmm. it's not far off. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. They they they're really. You know, showing and uh, opening the book of what's a reflection of modern society. Um, the rich, people in power, uh, place of power, greed, corruption. Can people do more? You know, mm. what makes a hero? You know, one that does it from the background or one that does it in the light. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it just shows that. Not all bad guys uh, wear masks. This is true. And not all good guys. And not and not all good guys don't don't wear masks. It's like it's almost like it's like a flip of a coin, isn't it? Um, With the stuff we you you think that Cobblepot and Riddler are the worst, but they're a result of the criminal activity. Yeah. In there, you know, it's like it's like it's like the city's hit the reach a crescendo, and then those normal criminals have basically sort of erupted. It's erupted the city and it's created these super criminals. But because of Batman, Batman, the presence of Batman has kind of made it wow theatricality, uh, as Christopher Nolan sort of talked about it. Of Batman, I said, oh wait a minute, we shouldn't have to. We can be freakish, and it's sort of it's sort of given a green light to your Riddlers. And obviously the penguins and your Catwomans and all these, and you're gonna obviously Mr. Freeze and future Two Face, you know. Um, so yeah, there's so many ways they can go with this, man. It's fascinating. But though, one thing I'll say, I hope they don't go with a Joker. Like, Same. I want them to go with something like Two Face. I love a real one of Two Face and Mr. Freeze. That would be amazing, especially if they could utilize. Sorry, especially if they could utilize the um, the origin story from the animated series, very mm. much like they did with Arnold Schwarzenegger's version, but in a much more serious tone. Oh god, man! That was that. I won an Emmy, didn't it? Right? It did. Yeah. It was like it changed. It was. It was. It was very important in the evolution of that genre mm-hmm. because it was an animation, but they were treating it like it was some like you know high end performance art oh, not just some preachy mm. kids movie or show or TV show mm. so it was Bruce Tim and those guys so it's um yeah that that episode is, like the stuff they could do with Mr. Freeze is amazing but I yeah yeah and I I fully agree with you because you know, it says again, it says a lot to 
DC because at the moment, I think it's fair to say they are now, you know, they're now proving themselves with these standalone stories that it's a case of, hey, we can still make great films just like we did in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I said you embrace your true nature and stuff. Like, you know, go back to your, your roots and your true spirit and then, yeah. And like you said, it's already started, didn't it? They're coming, everything's becoming coming in-house. Like, James Gunn did the Suicide Squad. Some people don't like because it's the thing with the suit, it's niche, but it's really cool film, actually. It's fun. It's very sort of like Dirty Dozen, Seven Samurai thing. And then Peacemaker comes out of it. Now, Peacemaker's kind of becoming a household name now. And that's connected to the news as well. And then they're probably going to do more HBO Max. So they're, they're, they're already exploring the next generation of mm-hmm. DC. Um, and I like the fact, I want them to make household names of like, like Blue Beetle and so forth. It's, it's very smart. I think they're doing, their casting is actually really good at the minute. I'll give yeah. them credit on that. Not always perfect, but no one's always perfect, but their casting is really good and stuff. So, uh, and I think the other company from the other side, I think that's good. them doing, it pushes them to be better, which is great. You need competition, man. Mm-hmm. Or things become too stale. Yeah, I fully agree with you because, I mean, the thing is as well, you know, Marvel are still knocking it out of the park as far as I'm aware. And, you know, I think it's fair to say for a lot of years, DC was seen as, why can't you do what Marvel's doing? But I never liked that because... I don't ever get that. I was like, DC are not Marvels. Like, it's like comparing New Kids on the Block to Kiss, mm-hmm. or Axel Rose to Taylor, or Axel Rose to I don't know, Marco Bublé. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, one's heavy metal, heavy metal, and rock and roll. The other one is sort of pop music and love on and love songs. They, they, they've, they've got their own niche and their own style. They shouldn't be copying. The thing is just to be... Like, the thing with DC, it can be fun, but it's dark at the core of it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It really so, is. And yeah, so... You know, that's the thing with... You know, again, with what DC's been doing, I think they realised... Even when, you know, Zack Snyder's version of Justice League came out, which was an absolute masterpiece of filmmaking. Mm. And, you know, it's got to be thanked to the fans for getting that film out into the public. But I feel like DC have kind of like, they've done the right thing in changing tacks. I mean, okay, the Flash film is supposed to be like the official end of the DCEU, if you will. Like it's just an, an evolving. It's evolving. It's an yeah. evolution, isn't it? Yeah. But I will say this, considering that this was supposed to be the year we were going to get three different Batmans on screen, mm. it is a real shame that they've delayed the Flash movie again. Yeah, but obviously, I think they've done a few of the films that obviously thought, 
<laughs> other reasons I'm not going to go into because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a minefield as itself. <laughs> so, but obviously other reasons that they were forced to. But in a way, like I said, I think I think you think it's a bad. I think it's going to be they're on the right trajectory, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm telling you, like the like I said, the smart cars. Some of the actors they've got, they've got they've got Jason Momoa, they've got Michael B. Jordan, they've got yeah. Shola Mariduena, they've got Dwayne Rock Johnson. You know, Gal Gadot. Um, <laughs> you know, they're doing all right. <laughs> okay, they're going to be okay. You know, and they're going to get more. You, yeah. you haven't even you got Swamp Thing. You've got the Green Arrow. There's so many that there's so many characters. John Stewart. We're still waiting for John Stewart. Yeah, goodness sake. Um, so got the Martian Manhunter. There's so many. That's why they're bringing everything in house because now they're going to be now that it's going to be under this sort of the HBO Max thing, uh, which is not a, a bad thing. Like I said, it's it's, a, it's an ev- evolution of the DC product, isn't it? Like mm. the, the the stuff on TV was great, and so it helped. It sort of carried the load, which was good. But now it's time for the next stage. You got to always keep evolving, man, or you don't, or you'll stagnate. Mm, I fully agree, uh, and you know it's like. It's like, um, you know, it's like we were saying earlier about constantly reinventing what it means to be a superhero film in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to be suited to the times, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's where I feel like, you know, where the Batman lands, because, of course, you know, We've just come out of, of, well, we are still, I guess, coming out of a very dark time in everyone's lives. Mm -hmm. And it shows that even in the darkest of times, you're always going to need heroes. And, you know, whether they wear a mask like Batman or, you know, they help out in the best way they can. Like Gordon. Yeah. To be fair, I'm going to say this now. Um, as much as I love Pat Hingle mm-hmm. in the original films, yeah, this is probably the best version of Gordon I have ever seen. And that's high praise, especially considering what Gary Oldman done. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. I loved Gary Oldman, but the trouble was, like, now, I am probably the biggest advocate for the Batman trilogy. <laughs> but one problem was the fact that with Commissioner James Gordon, you just saw Gary Oldman playing Jim Gordon. You didn't see someone you could believe as Jim Gordon. Mm. This current actor, who's I will admit, name escapes me right now. Oh, Jeffrey White, who's also the Watcher on DC, on on Marvel. Yeah, yeah. But no, to me, he he did the best job of Jim Gordon that I've ever seen, and you know, it's like I've said, I'm glad I got to see. A truly believable Gotham as well. Yeah. Like, you believe those people lived there. Yeah. And didn't want to be there. 
But again, I'm you know I'm gonna hand this back over to you, mate, because I'm I'm starting to lack of energy again, unfortunately. It's okay. But uh, is well, there any well, other then, thoughts you would like to give? I'm gonna say that the message after how it ends when you see Batman, you start to notice you know with him and Catwoman, and Catwoman goes on to after her stuff with her. Where she resolved the stuff with her friend getting killed and her her having to kill, you know, uh, was it Falcone and uh, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. We sort you find we kind of get understand like because you always wonder what the hell does Batman keep trying to save you see what doesn't just help like refix it and what doesn't Batman ever go to other cities you know you never understand right so it kind of shows that they always almost answer that in a way that mm-hmm. Bruce feels like. Because of the family, the stuff of his family and the city, that he almost owes it to Gotham to stay. He could leave. He doesn't need to be there. He could just leave and go. But he feels like he owes it. He's like a. He's got like a debt he needs to clear. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And that's it's almost his marriage, isn't it? He's married to Goth- Gotham. He is. And and that's why. There's always been a reason why Bruce never because Gotham will always be his first love. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you just feel that you know, I mean, and the fact that we've got a sequel on the way. Yeah, that's not a surprise. No. It just um, shows how much people really want to see this version of the character continue because you know again but I'll tell you another villain that I would love to happen in the next film and we have yeah go ahead James I, but I think we had a technical difficulty there. Yeah, go ahead. You said another villain you'd but, like to see. Yeah, another version I would love to see of of this, but because we've never seen them in live action before. But yeah. I would love to see the court vowels. You know what? That seems a logical like connection. It just like especially this version. It just suits mm-hmm. cool out like the way it is with the corruption and the certain things going on. They're all just mm-hmm. literally made for this um, version of Batman, and mm-hmm. I think they're very big in the current continuity of whether the comics and the the Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. The Court. Uh, oh, yeah. How long? How long have it been around? Is, is it? How long has that it, the Court of Owls mythology been around for? That's a very good question. Because I know this is a great thing. It just it just makes sense, doesn't it? I think is it is it supposed to be like they're kind of like the Illuminati of Gotham, like very powerful people and families. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, it just makes sense. And there's right. was it what's the one what do they call one of their they got like an assassin is it Talon? Yeah, I believe so. But um, again. I just really hope that, you know, 
we get to see this story progress and you know it'll be it'll be incredible to see it yeah they've been around since 2011 the talons they're like trained assassins they're kind of like the uh league of shadows assassins basically mhm definitely definitely and they've been around for ages like they're like they're they're, they're assassins basically they mm. that they send out to <laughs> do certain things that you no one wants to do Mm. Definitely. Anyway, I believe that's gonna wrap us up on this episode. Or do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's um great fun iteration of the the Batman, and let's see where the next the world's greatest detective takes us next. You know, we could have gone so much more about it, Definitely. but I just wanted to. I think it was more of us invested, like breaking down how the cycle psychology of how Matt Reeves did this film was a really cool cast very mm. terrific cast definitely um, and the, the music everything looked cool and I'm just looking at the film because obviously his tech is low he's not he doesn't have all the advanced tech mm-hmm. but obviously you'll see that and, and as well if you notice that the Batcave was in the station the abandoned Wayne station which is the mm-hmm. same and I think in the computer games yeah Definitely. Definitely. Well, Domingos, I'm going to just say thank you for taking over as host for this episode. And it was a pleasure. Helping me out. And uh, where can people find you? You can find me, check my stories out on the Hollywood News Source. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at Domingos Sunday Film Club. And as well, I've got a panel behind the scenes with indie filmmakers under the Sunday my Sunday Film Club band, um, umbrella, uh, which is going to, on the 28th of May, MCM Comic Con, I'm hosting a panel with a very talented group of guys. Very nice. So well, if you're, anyone's, anyone around there, feel free to come in. It's at 10, mm-hmm. it's early, but be fun, knowledgeable, different facets through the industry, you have to get involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can find me. Very nice. Well, Best of luck with that, pal. And um, and th- again, thank you so much for hosting this episode. And thank you to all out there for listening. And I, once again, I apologize for the lack of energy on my end. But Domingos, thank you ever so much. And I look forward to doing another episode with you soon. I will. And bye. And everyone out there, stay safe. Stay sane in this multiverse of madness that we live in. Uh, very good segue. Very good Peace segue. out. That sounds like yeah. a good title for an, for our next episode. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because, well, I think, believe the next episode will be when we'll be going full breakdown that we'll be going into the, the Marvel Studios Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. So, there you go. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, everybody. Thank you for thank you for listening. I'm sorry this episode hasn't been up to the usual energy levels, but you know, with uh, with Vertigo, it really does kick you once it hits you. But everyone, take care out there. Take care. We'll see Peace you soon. Up. Bye, everyone.